0: Welcome to the Gym Lords Podcast, where we talk to real gym owners and share their stories, their trials, and what's working for them right now. To apply to be a guest on this podcast, click the link in the description. Hope you enjoy and subscribe.
1: What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Gym Lords Podcast. I'll be your host today. My name is Alex Beck, and joining us on the show is David Wolk. From Club Pilates and he actually owns three locations. So he's based out of Colmac, Melville, and Woodbury, New York. What's going on, David? Welcome to the show. How are you doing today? I'm good, Alex. Good morning. How are you? Good morning. Good morning. Excited to have you on. Excited to talk a little bit. You've been in the game for about what coming up on five, six years now-ish. So excited to pick your brain a little bit and talk to you about what you have going on, your businesses. Um, but yeah, let's not waste any time here. Why don't you uh Tell me a little bit about how you got started. What is it that made you want to start with opening your first fitness facility back in
2: 2017? Um, so perspective here, I'm a 47 year old. Uh, I graduated with a degree in kinesiology and exercise physiology. Uh, my dream job to, was to one day work for a professional football team as an athletic trainer, Um that didn't happen. I was working in a high school as an athletic trainer for about uh, seven, eight years. I loved it working with athletes. I was a three-letter athlete myself and um, just doing a lot of injury assessment, injury prevention, rehabilitation with athletes who were coming out of surgery, uh, moved into a little bit more of the college ranks. um, And then life kind of changed a little. My my wife at the time, her father was starting a new business. It was totally outside the world of athletics. It was in the world of academics, and I thought I'd give that a shot for maybe like a year. Uh, It was a new business. We wanted to see where it was going to go, but I always knew that I was going to, you know, in a year or two, go back to uh, athletic rehabilitation. Um, But that turned into 18 years, so it led me into the year 2015, where I was still in the world of academics and uh, didn't really apply anything with my degree. for several reasons, we decided to sell the business and I wanted to get back into fitness. So I had myself just started doing Pilates, um, having lived in a gym with athletes for the better part of my 20s and 30s. I never did Pilates when I started doing Pilates at 40, but it was the most phenomenal form of fitness. Um, and I said, this is this is great. I want to be around Pilates all day, every day. So I looked into opening up my first studio. Um, it took until... Fourth quarter of 2017 to get the first one open. Um, but then uh fast forward to present, there's three thriving studios now. Boom.
1: There you go. So started off getting a degree in kinesiology. Yep. And you kind of fell off track a little bit, right? Did, Did something a little far away. I I I could relate, right? I have a I'm 26. I have a degree in music. Doing nothing to do with music now at all. So, uh, funny to to hear other people's stories as well. But cool. So, so I would love for you to give your own elevator-type pitch of Club Pilates and the services you guys offer.
2: Sure. Well, Club Pilates is a a, a bit more of a modern take on reformer Pilates as opposed to the classically trained. Um, sort of very narrow market uh, that classically trained Pilates is. So we offer group classes as well as private training in our studio. We have 12 reformers in our main studio along with uh, several other modalities, um, exo chair, TRX, bar, springboard, lots of props. Uh, our classes, we're open seven days a week. We have classes that personally at my studios, we have about 70 classes per week so we start at 6 30 in the morning pretty much have classes straight through every hour on the half hour till about 8 30 at night um, we do a high 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 volume of classes and therefore we have a high number of members so we all live in a very busy world these days and the convenience of exercise needs to be paramount and uh, so with having lots of members lots of classes we were from business point of view, able to lower the price point for what was always a very expensive proposition, reformer Pilates. Right, right.
1: Okay, so so your guys' main bread and butter, you'd say, is the group training aspect of things? For sure, yeah. Okay, Yeah. yeah. awesome. And what's kind of like the membership numbers that you're sitting at between your three facilities?
2: Um, my Co- uh, COMEX studio, I have actually... We, we surpassed 500 members a couple months ago, um, which is a lot. In the other two studios, close to 450, um, that's active. And then we probably have a few people in each studio on freeze, maybe like two or three dozen on freeze, which, you know, we have um, more in the winter than in the summer. We have snowbirds here in New York that go down to Florida in the winter. Uh, we have some people that do have second homes that freeze in the summer so like hamptons out here is big for a lot of people who have second homes so they'll freeze their membership so active in my melville and um active in my melville and woodbury studio about 450 and then active in comac 500
1: okay okay awesome and, and so would you say well, how big are the facilities that you're in now because 500 is a good amount especially for you know boutique style fitness
2: Um, So how big are the the businesses that you're in? So they're, they're all about 1,850, 1,900 square feet, um, 12 reformers, plus a private training room. So we're running, you know, classes, like I said, you know, almost 12 hours a day, Um, 12 people in, in, uh, in each class, we have wait lists for every class. Um, So we're, we're moving, you know, a lot of bodies in and out. Yeah pretty much constantly throughout the day. Um, but it's, it's great because the, the number of people that come in and you know, are able by the class and for Reformer Pilates, for people who know Reformer Pilates, you can have someone who's been doing Pilates for dozens and dozens of years, right next to somebody who just started doing Pilates. They could do the same class, get the same experience out of it. One might be a little bit you know, more attuned, working harder because they've been practicing Pilates for a while. Whereas the other person is, you know, new to Pilates, but could still do the maneuvers that that person is uh, next to him or her is doing for many, many years. So we always have an instructor that's, you know, creating a flow, <clears throat> excuse me, creating the different flows and uh, giving progressions and modifications. And, um, and therefore we have, in addition to the seven different types of classes in our studio, we also have four different levels of each class. So, again, a practitioner who's been doing it for a long time has their choice of the higher level or the foundational levels and then the beginner, you know, strictly at the foundational levels.
1: And and you guys are trending in the right direction, especially coming post-COVID. I mean, I've talked to quite a few gym owners based out of New York, and a lot of them are struggling, especially with, you know, getting people in the door in general, right? Um, For you, what's been the main... Wait, well, first of all, I know you guys are a franchise, right? Do, do they help you with the marketing aspect or lead generation at all?
2: Yeah, yeah, there's, there's a lot of help. The, the, this franchise is, um, you know, they are a sales and marketing machine. So they know how to get stores open. They know how to assist the owner in making sales. And they know how to whittle down their marketing so very granular that the the spend on ads is is really really intelligent Um, as well as as gym owners we're always trying to be as expeditious and and uh you know um uh efficient as possible with our ad spend um so they recommend certain vendors for us to use who are experts in the gym marketing the marketing area of of fitness Um, but I've gone a little bit further in terms of trying to, you know, not just be like, here's 1500 bucks a month, go do my ads for me. I try to be as much as possible hands on with what ads are being used, what's, what's working. We do a lot of AB testing, you know, is the, is the blonde girl on the reformer working or is the guy on the, you know, exo chair working and we see what the results are. So, um, one of my goals is to be as as efficient as possible with our our ad spending. And yes, the franchisor does assist us quite a bit. They give us a lot of collateral, a lot of marketing assets, a lot of high quality pictures and videos and boomerangs and stuff like that to use, both for the you know the Google and Facebook spend and also for our own um, you know social media calendars. Like we're we're doing a lot of daily tips and health and fit and nutrition and uh, functional training and things like that, even just not revolving around Pilates. Yeah. And and smart for you for, for, you know, trying different types of marketing.
1: Some people have a bad stigma towards digital marketing. Others don't. Some people try and rely on word of mouth. I I always say at the end of the day, it's worth trying everything to figure out what really works for you. So you could double down on the things that give you the best return on investment, Right. (laughs) Um, so, so for you, what does work best for you? Would you say it's digital marketing that's
2: driving most of the leads to your, to your business? Yeah, uh, well, obviously, the very best lead is word of mouth. I mean, the, the, the yeah. fact that you don't have to spend anything, um, we sometimes incentivize. our. I mean, we, we have clients, You know, what, what, when we get a member into our studio, we set on the calendar five follow-ups, two days later, 14 days later. 30, 60, and 90 days later. And when we do those follow-ups with a client, we'll say, how are you enjoying it? A bunch of classes, your cadence is good, blah, blah, blah. And if they come back with, I'm absolutely loving it. It's amazing. It's the best thing that ever happened to me. We'll do two things. Number one, we'll say to them, well, did you know that we have a a retail credit incentive? If you recommend somebody who does a membership to our studio, you get 50 bucks in retail credit. So- We'll hold on to that until we get a really quality because that person, if they really love it, they're going to speak about it. And if they know they're getting fifty bucks a person, they're going to speak about it even more. Right. Um, so that's that's one thing that we do um, when we uh, when we also sell the person a membership. We tell them at that point, you know, in addition to your membership, if you recommend anybody, you know, then 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 and the word of mouth is really what um, also not only sells memberships but also gets people to stay in the studio. Yeah. So I'd rather have somebody be a member for, you know, two years and spend no money on them because they came as a referral, obviously, than spending all my money on Instagram and Facebook to have somebody a member for three months and then they're done. Yeah. Um,
1: Agreed. Easier to close as well. I mean, you know, those people come in ready, ready to buy pretty much. Um I'd say, I mean, the bad thing is is it and it's smart that you have systems in play for the word of mouth process. Cause most people don't, most people, it's just like, we rely on word of mouth and hopefully people come um, it, because it is hard to scale. Right. Like, al- although last month you could get, you know, maybe you got, let's say you got 20 new members at one of your locations through word of mouth. It's hard to, to guesstimate that you'll be able to see that same rate of growth in the, in the coming months ahead. So that's one thing where, you know, digital marketing, does give you that advantage to where you could see the numbers, you could scale them, you could put more money and get more leads coming in. Um, what's kind of your process for that? For when you do get a lead, let's say like it is myself, regardless word of mouth or social media, um, what's your process to get me in the door, turn me into a paid member? So we,
2: we I created a, um, uh, I created a handbook for for my staff, my sales staff, okay. um, and there's a very specific cadence on how we do follow up with someone. So someone goes online, Pilates Studio near me, they pop up, we, we pop up, they give us their name, email address, and phone number. We have to contact them within 12 hours. Quick text message, great, love that you're interested in, in Pilates. What made you decide to look into Pilates? And that's the entree. And what we try to do is, is collect as much of, and I tell when I'm training my staff, I tell them it's like going on a first date. You're not gonna ask someone if they say, I have three cats, you're not gonna ask them, you know, Do you also like dogs? You're gonna, right. you're gonna continue on that first date with them. So it's what we call collecting the OMG. What's their objective for looking at the Pilates? What membership fits them? And what are their fitness goals? And that OMG is a collection of information by, um, and if we don't get a response from them within that 12 hours of them receiving that text, We then reach out to them by phone 24 hours later. Okay. And then there's a very specific cadence following with email, text, and phone calls, day three, day seven, day 14, day 30, day 60, day 90. And we always kind of keep that cadence and our note-taking in the system um, lets someone who comes in to work that the next shift, if the calendar reminder comes up, it's very specifically tagged what they spoke to the person about before, and what information we need to still gather to try to get them to come into the studio.
1: Okay. Okay. And when they do get to the studio, what does that look like? Is that like a free consultation type thing and then kind of funnel them to a free
2: class? Do you offer free classes? Yep. So we do um, what, what, uh, what the goal is in the initial um, reach out, you know, with text, text uh, phone call or email. The initial goal is to get them to either book or buy. To book means to book a free intro class, which I'll come back to in a second, or to buy. if there, We always tell the front desk, if there's if there's someone who was recommended by a friend or somebody who was told by a doctor or a chiropractor or a masseuse, you really should start doing Pilates. Don't try to just book them for the free class. Try and sell them the membership right then and there. That's a health, healthy lead. So book or buy. Um, if someone is lucky enough to, or good enough to make a sale right on the phone, buy the membership come on in, start your membership tomorrow. We get them set up on our app. Um, if they don't sell them a membership right out of the gate, then they get them to uh, book an intro class. And our intro class is a 30 condensed version of what a typical 50 minute class would be like. So they, they come in, it, it, it could be a little intimidating to walk into my studio because there's 12 reformers, 12 exo chairs, a lot of pieces of complicated equipment. Um, so that 30 set 30 minute, intro class is really just an introduction for them to know the terminology, the different pieces of equipment. Um, they do a 30-minute workout, and then once that 30-minute class ends, we do a uh, 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 a little spiel about the memberships, and then you want to buy.
1: <laughs> there you go. There you go. So, so your main focus is like, hey, let's get them into the door here, um, You know, do the free consultation, and then maybe funnel into the class if they're a hot enough lead then you go for it and make the sale. How, how big is your guys' team? You mentioned you have a sales team. Do you have a sales team in place for each location? Um, I
2: have, so in total between the three studios and a lot of my, um, so there's three positions. There are instructors who don't do really much of selling. They're, they're on, I call it the back side of the wall. And then on the front side of the wall, I have front desk sales associates and general managers. So in total, I have 34 employees. Um, the front side of the wall, front desk and general managers is half of that 17 people. Um, and everybody plays the same role. I mean, everybody is selling memberships. Everybody's selling retail. Everybody's greeting customers as they come in, you know, trying to know everyone's name. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of things that I teach when I put the staff through training, little tiny hints that help us to retain members. And one of them is, even on the second day that someone becomes a member, you got to memorize their name, yeah. give them a big hello. Hey, Alex! Well, you know, welcome to the studio. I know it's your first. class. memorize everyone's name because it doesn't make it makes everyone feel terrific when they're only a member for the second day and you already know who they are. Yeah. Um, so they uh, front desk does has a lot of jobs, but most of it, in addition to the selling, is retaining because it costs twice as much money to try to get a new member as it does to retain an old member. Right.
1: And and you even mentioned it, mentioned it earlier. I mean, I'm sure you have a lot of big box type facilities around you and, and that is their main tactic. Like, Hey, let's just shovel as many people as we can in the door and hopefully half of them won't show up. So, so for you guys, for more boutique style facilities, that is how you beat the curve, right. And stay ahead of them is by having that, you know, almost accountability in a sense, or, or, you know, knowing your members on a first name basis, um, but cool. So, so I like that you're talking about your sales process a lot here. Is that something that you focus on for training your team for the sales process? Did Club Pilates provide you with like a, uh, any type of
2: sales script or training for your team? They, they did. I mean, before owning the Pilates studios, the business that I was in was heavily, uh, heavily sales driven. Um, and so I took a lot of what I learned in those 18 years in this other business with me to, and yes, Pilates did provide us with, um, a lot of help with the initial onset of opening up the business, but, you know, every, every geographical area is a little bit different. You know, there's, there's, there's ins and outs and, um, aggressive conservative, you know, there's, so I felt after, you know, when I first studio, I lived, breathed, sleeped the studio and like literally next to my computer, as soon as a lead came in, I would pound that lead until I got, uh, leave me alone or I'm interested. So that's sort of what I teach the front desk is that it worked for me when I was doing it at the first studio and it wasn't just by dumb luck. it, It worked. So that's the way I sort of, sort of ask them to treat it the same way I did which is not give up on a lead until they say, I'm not interested. So it's, it's, sometimes it can be a little dejecting, um, but, you know, you grow tough skin pretty quickly. Leave me alone. I don't want anymore. Okay, fine. Move on. to the next
1: <laughs> <laughs> Right, right. Until you tell me no, I, I'm going to keep, you know, knocking on your door. The New and, York and Way. I know, we, I mean, we talked a little bit about you wanting to grow from within your facility and you have, you know, some more higher levels of service that you want to be able to send clients to. Um, do you put that as a focus within your sales process to like, hey, let's try and sell these guys some more expensive service things like Personal training, um, you know, maybe some type of nutrition accountability program.
2: Yes, we, we, um, like I briefly mentioned, we're we're almost at yeah, capacity at one studio. We're probably close to ninety percent at the other. So, you know, the obvious would be, well, if we can't fill the studio with more members, how can we increase our revenue? So right now, we have f- four main main streams of revenue obviously membership sales is the main focus. That's about 80, maybe more than 80%. Then there's private training, which makes up about eight, 9%. Then there's retail, which is sort of the bane of my existence. It's the only part of the business I can't stand um but i owned an the, apparel company you know it
1: was horrible hor- hor- oh, horrible God.
2: business model margins are slim slim margin yeah, yeah. the time and effort that you have to put in that that becomes very off-putting but um and then we also train people who want to become pilates instructors okay. they can do a a certification program which is a pretty healthy investment so we don't get too many people to do it it's it's a it's a you know, north of $4,500 investment to become an instructor. So um, those are the four streams of revenue. But then there's also some ancillary things that we can, and I want to improve on this in the third and fourth quarter this year, um, that can help us increase revenue. Um, We do have a nutrition program that people can opt into. Um, There's different levels and different packages that they could purchase. That would be another revenue without having to increase our total number of members, but yeah. still get more money. Uh, we do have a virtual platform that people can join. Um, it's a, um, an additional $19, $19.99, 20 bucks a month. Um, there's, um, you know, the ability to do a little bit more volume in retail exists. Um, I just don't devote my time to do it because like you briefly mentioned, the margins are low. But if you can increase the volume, it means that someone's got to spend the time. And quite honestly, I look at, you know, we have 95% of our clients are women. So if I look at a pair of black leggings, they all look the same to me. Um, but if I had a woman in charge of, or or a guy who's in fashion in charge of my retail, um, they probably could do a lot more volume. Um, it's just that the... the um, Adding SKUs and products to the system is a little clunky. Um, so it becomes a little bit uh, less worth my time. But if I had someone who enjoys it and they want to do, you know, move, move stuff from studio to studio, I mean, sometimes our studio uh, members are trained to know that if there's something that's on the, on the merchandising wall for six weeks, to go on sale for 20%. So they just wait right. and wait and wait. Um, so we've gotten into the habit of moving stuff from studio to studio so that it goes uh, full price um, in a different studio. So those members see it for the first time. Okay. Um, so there's other ways to do it. Yeah.
1: Okay. And when it comes to scaling these, these not new services, right, but like the nutrition program that you have, the virtual training program, um, do you have a plan on how you're going to do that or how you're going to, you know, upsell these more expensive programs?
2: Yeah, I mean, like anything else, the, the only way to get the increase is to make it visible. So there's two options. One, mo- spend money on marketing, which then chops away at the profit margin, right? Um, or B, um, the freeway, which is telling people as they come in, posting things in the studio, sending out emails, posting it on social media, um, my, my go at it, at it at first is going to be the freeway. let's see and yeah. um, you know, every time and, and we do have to tell every time a member buy, every time a prospect buys a membership, there's a lot of information that we have to give them just about ins and outs of membership. And then if you throw on top of that $50 credit for referring a member, we have this, this nutritional program called profile, check out our retail, you know, like there's a lot of other things, you know, and you don't want the important stuff to get lost. So um, we'll have to come up with maybe on some of those member retention follow-ups, adding in some of those uh, other niceties of their membership. They wanted to, we wanted to upsell them something.
1: And have you ever thought of maybe doing um, any type of like challenges or, you know, weight loss challenges to, to start, you know, including these other services within the challenge? I, I actually spoke with um, the, the Pilates studio I was telling you about down in Miami, their name, Premier Pilates, I, I believe. Um, and, and that was their main, they had a couple other services. They were trying to do similar increased revenue from within their membership base. And that was their whole tactic because it was hard for them to get their existing members to, okay, let's start paying more for, you know, this service, this service. So they created, you know, six, eight week challenges, got their members involved, got them to pay, you know, some type of front end cash down payment. And then it's like, Hey, you get the nutrition, you get a, you know, accountability coach, you get virtual training and, you know, maybe even personal training every once in a while. Have you ever thought of going down that route?
2: Yeah, it's actually funny because either Bob Pilates took it from them or they took it from Bob Pilates because we have had for the last three years um, in the fourth quarter, uh, when people fall out of their, you know, their routines, uh, we do Pilates challenges. And, you know, if you hit 30 classes in three months, you're entered into a uh, raffle with a chance to win um fill in the blank every year. It's different, you know, membership, uh, you know, $300 retail credit, whatever it was. But yes, the Pilates challenges are always, um, are always good to get participation, to get people involved, build that our community feel because now right. you're recognized social. And, and that's another big part of the, of the studio is that um, again, different from a big box gym, we want to know everyone's name and face and we want, everyone in the studio to know each other too. So a lot of our clients are habit. They come at the same time, same class every week. Uh, They get to know one another and uh, it becomes a a really nice community feel for them. Definitely.
1: And and what about like the personal training side of things? I know your, your studio sit at about 2000 square foot. Plus, if you have group training going on, it's like, Hey, we don't always have a ton of space to do personal training. Is that something that you see yourself wanting to grow or dive into a little more? I know you said you're sitting at about ten percent. Like even maybe pushing it to twenty percent could, um, you know, be a game changer as far as
2: monthly revenue. Absolutely, it's it's it it, it is because the reality is we have a, a a very a separate area for personal training. So there's we could have classes going on 12 hours a day and we could have personal training going on 12 hours a day. it's like a separate room completely from the main studio and it, it, it is a a, uh, uh, a lost area of revenue but the, the again not to make excuses but it's it's hard for instructors to fathom coming to the studio for just the one hour of personal training a lot of our instructors they might teach an instructor 30, 7.30, 8.30 class. That 8.30 class ends at 9.30 and then we'll try to piggyback a, um, uh, a one-hour private training session for them after that. The other, the counter of that is that if someone starts teaching at 9.30, we might be able to piggyback a, uh, uh, before they start teaching at 8.30 private. But it's up to the client to tell us what time their private session is good. So if their private session for them works at like 11.30, for one instructor to come in for one hour, um, mm. it's, it's tough. So it, it becomes somewhat of a logistical nightmare if we did too many privates um, because then we can't service those those clients. Um, but my idea for the start of the fourth quarter was going to be a tiered system of payment for uh, uh, breakdown will be to sort of incentivize advice internet got weird is that to do more private set
1: okay okay am i breaking up can you hear me oh there we go boom now. there you go there you go awesome so you were talking a little bit on personal training T- talk a little bit about the tiered system you just spoke on i missed that part
2: yeah so the tiered system my thought was that because the 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 uh Coming in for one hour just to do a private training session for my instructors isn't as uh, you know palatable. The, the, the right. idea was that if they taught doing a tiered system where if they taught anywhere from 1 to 10 private training sessions per pay period, let's just say, um, they make X. If they did 11 to 20 private sessions uh, in a pay period, they make X times Money. 2. And then so on and so forth to try to incentivize them to say, well, if I just got over this threshold, I could make double the amount of money in privates. Hmm. And, um, but the, the, you know, the yin and the yang is that we have to make sure that we have the um, the purpose of privates. You know, some people do them in packages, which, you know, then they know if someone pack- buys a package of 16 private sessions and they want the same instructor, they're coming twice a week. That's a pretty much scheduled time and day for them to have those uh, two per. For that, so it's it's an idea that we'll probably we will probably try and implement in the fourth quarter, yeah, um, and see how that goes. Okay. to yeah, de- not to not have to increase wor- our total number of members, but get more revenue. Right, right, definitely worth tinkering. I mean, uh,
1: we touched on this in the beginning. There's there's a ton of ways that you could grow from within the membership base that you have. Um, but cool, David. So so another topic, at least getting away from the more analytical stuff here that I like to touch on. Um, is kind of your idea of the perfect business, right? I know you've been doing this for about five, six years now. Um, if you had, let's say, like a magic wand, right, a magic business wand, you could put your businesses in the exact position that you want it. What would that really look like to you?
2: Well, it's funny. It's a right now. I'm going through a um, uh, an internal struggle, and the internal struggle is, do I want to open up three more? Um, not necessarily Pilates, but three more fitness to stu- boutique fitness studios. And the reality is, it's this is a very uh, scalable concept. Uh, not just the fact that we're servicing people for Pilates, but scalable in the sense that I could swap out the word Pilates and put in high intensity inter- interval training right. and open up, you know, three of those studios. So, um, you know, my, my magic wand would be if, um, you know, if I knew with certainty, and, and this is where I'm sort of a little uneasy, if I knew with certainty that I had a carbon copy staff that I have now to open up three more, because let's be honest, I mean, you know, I didn't do this myself. I mean, I helped to do it, um, but my staff is absolutely phenomenal. And I am cautiously optimistic that if I did open up a a fourth, a fifth, a sixth, um, that it would be great because I could train someone to be really, really good. But um, my staff is, I kid you not, they're unbelievable. And part of it was from my training, but part of it is that I found the right people. And if I knew I could find, you know, a carbon copy of those 34 people to open up three more studios, I'd I'd, I'd wave that magic wand in a heartbeat.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and staffing will, will always be an issue, right? So how did you combat that in the beginning with these first three studios? How were you able to, to build a good team?
2: Yeah, I, I you know, my wife and I have lived in the community for a long time. It was sort of more through word of mouth, grassroots. My friend knows a friend who knows someone who's looking for, you know, so we, we spread our tentacles as far as we possibly could through family and friends to, to let them know to let their friends know that there uh, is a couple that we're friends with that's opening up the Pilates studio. They're looking for instructors in front desk, and we kind of just kept our eyes and ears open as much as possible. Um, luckily, we started real slow, so we only needed a few. And you know, whatever I couldn't find out there, I made up for it myself. Um, I worked the front desk seven days a week for five straight months, so you didn't have. You know, I had people next to me shadowing me. Um, I had three instructors. They all taught the classes. And, you know, again, what I can't find out there, I make up for myself. I got certified in Pilates. So if there's ever a need for me to have to teach a class, I do. Uh, if ever a front desk shift isn't available, I work it. Um, but, uh, you know, really, really keeping our eyes and ears open for someone who knew someone was the start of it. And then we branched out from there with our members, with our friends, with our already existing staff. Do you know anyone? We're looking for someone who's as good as you. Um, And that's what, uh, you know, grew us. We, you know, I have done the Indeed and the Zip Recruiter and the this and the that. But um, and I find some quality people. um, But for the most part, I feel like the staff that are the most terrific are the people that come to us through grassroots through through our own you know organically not grassroots but organically
1: yeah right trainer trainers could be fickle sometimes too so most times you know most trainers are kind of looking out for themselves so that's another whole issue on its own um but cool david so so before we head out of here i would like for you to you know think about to when you first started your business right what is a piece of advice that you would have given yourself five years ago when it comes to being a gym owner
2: um, you know, initially, I think I got into a habit initially of trying to do everything myself. Um, you know, and what I'm going to say is sort of a canned answer, but it's so unbelievably true. You've got to, once you find the right people, you got to be able to delegate. If you want to grow the business, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's one of those, you know, answer the answer to your question that probably a lot of people would, have, would, would answer with is, is just this, but it's so true. If you try to do it all your you can't be a jack of all trades because you'll be a master of nothing. You've got to be able to kind of find your position, find your pigeonhole, po- find your strengths and what your weak. Look, I know my weakness is retail. I, I, I don't do retail well. So I've, I still have yet to find someone who can really, really do it. Um, but but delegating is is probably the most important part of being successful because you'll burn yourself out. You'll, you'll yeah. be up 24 hours a day, seven days a week.
1: Yeah, very true. And, and you want to position yourself to, to always work on the business, not necessarily in the business. Right. And, and good for you. Cause I mean, you pretty quickly here, you took yourself out of that role. A lot of people, they're 10 years into owning their boutique facility and they're still, you know, training 40 hours a week. So, so it's crazy to see, um, but no, I appreciate you, David. I think that's a good place to start to wrap things up on this episode here. But before we do sign out of here, please give a shout out to, you know, your Instagram, Facebook, website, anything, just so the listeners could find some more info on you and your gym.
2: Sure. So uh, our landing pages are simplyclubpilates.com and then slash Comac Melville and at Woodbury. Um, if you want to attach to me on LinkedIn, you can find me DM, DM walk 14, uh, is my LinkedIn and, uh, Instagram club Pilates, underscore Comac, uh, club Pilates, Ayasa Woodbury and club Pilates Melville are our Instagram pages. Yes, sir. Make sure you check them out. You guys, David
1: Walk from club Pilates. He's got three locations open as of now, might be opening a couple more in the future. Um, He's based out of Colmack, Melville, and Woodbury, New York. Make sure you check him out, you guys. And I appreciate you once again, sir. As for the listeners here, don't forget, if you want to be notified about future episodes, hit like and subscribe. If you are interested in joining us to talk about your business model within the fitness industry, click the link in the description, fill it out, and our team will be in touch with you soon. And as always, until next time, Jim Lords out.
0: Click on the link in the description of this podcast to schedule your call today. Now, let's head into the next interview.
3: What's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Gym Lords Podcast. I will be your host today. My name is Brooke. Joining me on the show is Stephanie from Rough House Boxing and Fitness in Edmond, Oklahoma. Welcome to the show, Stephanie. How are you today? Hi, thank you so much. I'm doing great. How are you doing? I'm doing good. I'm excited to have you here to learn more about what to do at your facility. But really, before we dive into the business side too deep, um, please give me the backstory. What was it that made you decide to, you know, um, open up this gym?
4: Well, so uh, me and my business partner, uh, we worked together at a, uh, we're going to call it, am I allowed to say, um, particular gym names i mentioned names or should i say a generic
3: name you can mention names you're gay okay.
4: <laughs> so we worked together at a uh, title boxing club and oh, i was the general manager and he was one of the first people that i had hired um throughout our few months there uh we were just kind of you know well liked by a lot of the members um eventually i decided to resign as the general manager and uh, a couple months later the entire club shut down and a lot of the people that my partner Joe and I had kind of gotten to know and build relationships with, had said, hey, wherever you guys go teach boxing, we wanna go too, so let us know. And I looked at Joe and I said, hey, we should just open up our, our own gym and see what happens. And then ha ha jokes on me, you know, six and a half years later, here, here we still are. <laughs> so yeah. that's how we ended up here. It was strictly a, 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 like out of necessity, I suppose.
3: Awesome. Well, I'm glad that you you made it here and I'm sure your members and your business partner are as well. Give us your elevator pitch of Rubhouse Boxing and Fitness. Tell us who you are, what services you have to provide and paint that picture so that our listener has a really good grasp on your business model before we move forward in the conversation.
4: Okay. uh, So we are a for-profit business and uh, we uh, serve uh, our community in Edmond, which is Uh, Generally our demographic is about a six to eight mile radius around us. Um, People who have you know maybe 35 plus thousand dollars of extra income uh, and uh, all ages. Um, I will kind of generically tell people we do ages 8 to 88 but in reality uh, anybody who has the desire to learn boxing is who we will teach boxing too. And then we also do a program that is specifically designed for people who've been diagnosed with Parkinson's disease. Uh, That's obviously a no contact uh, program. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. And uh, we do mainly group classes and we have a a few uh, personal training clients, one-on-one clients that we work with. Uh, But ultimately our goal is to have people in classes versus one-on-one training. We'd like to have people.
3: Yeah. So a lot going on, nonetheless, a lot for people to take advantage of. And I think it's really cool because boxing is something that a lot of the general population might see as intimidating, but it sounds like you're willing to work with anybody. Is that right?
4: Absolutely, and we actually have multiple members that come to us. Whatever bravery brought them to the front door or or brought them to pick up the phone, uh, when they've come in and they've told me their story, about how they, you know, deal with, you know, anxiety or it being scared or whatever and how intimidating this was, they always t- let me know later on, like, hey, I was really relieved when I came in and it wasn't intimidating. It wasn't mm-hmm. what I see on TV. You know, there's not a bunch of egomaniacs running around just trying to knock people's heads off. It's actually like a professional setting with instruction and, and everybody's, everybody's welcome
3: yeah, it definitely helps like when you have that good environment that people walk in and they just like know that it's a comfortable place that they can come in, and and work out. Um, so my next question to you would be, how big is this space? I didn't ask you square footage. I'm trying to picture it in my mind here.
4: So we're roughly about uh, between uh, maybe 15 to 1700 square feet. And uh, it's a uh, uh, like a brick and mortar type building. Uh, it was built in the 80s. And it is a, it's in a kind of an industrial space part of Edmonds, so our building is uh, very much like warehouse type. Uh, mm-hmm. And we've got like a couple of uh, garage bay doors. So when the weather's nice, we can open those doors and have a nice, you know, airflow. And we also have essential uh, heat and air for when we need to have those.
3: <laughs> okay, got it. So currently as things stand in your, you know, facility, it sounds like it's a decent size for what it is. You know, boxing isn't something that, you know, takes a ton of equipment or anything like that. Um, How many members do you guys have to fill in the space? We've got about
4: uh, 40 memberships and some of those memberships are family memberships. And uh, our family membership, uh, people always ask me, what is a family membership? What do you count as a family Uh, I usually just tell people that a family membership is uh, anybody who is in the household. I don't uh, try to make people prove to me where they live or, you know, anything like that. Mm -hmm. It's all just kind of like on your word type basis. And I haven't had any problems um, with that.
3: So with 40 memberships, what would you say? Like in terms of people like 65, 70, is that probably about the number of people that you have coming into the gym? Yeah, cool. is that forty memberships a place where you guys feel comfortable, or are you looking to step on the gas, help more people grow in terms of, of members? I think that we could probably
4: um, handle as far as our space and us being the owner operators slash instructors. I think that if we you know increased anywhere from five to ten more, uh, we'll say individual memberships, so just five to ten more members. I think that that would be. Uh, doable but I think anything beyond that um I mean we would we would probably run out of flu
3: yeah
4: (laughs) it would take Um, a lot of experience for people
3: yeah so I mean when we look at growth right now how many um how many classes are you doing in a day uh at least uh
4: one but most days two to three
3: okay so I mean like if you got to the point where there was a lot of interest you could always have more classes going on mm-hmm. if you were to find somebody else to help you out. Yeah. With, with yeah that would be- Cause yeah. Cause I mean, realistically there's only so much time in a day and it sounds like yes. right now you're pretty spread out spread. Um, yes. Okay, cool. So what are some of the things that you guys do to actually aid that growth process to find new clients? Uh, one of
4: my favorite things to do is uh, the, our presence in the community So uh, we've been very fortunate in the the past, uh, we'll say like 18 months, uh, to kind of build a relationship with our police department. Um, So one of the police officers for the Edmond Police Department, he is a a student resource officer with one of the Edmond Middle Schools. And uh, one of his personal goals, like with his job at the police department, is to design like an at-risk youth type program or kind of like a police activity league type type gym and leadership programs and things like that. So we've been kind of working together uh, during the school year. Uh, one of the middle schools here does something called Tiger Time. And it's, it's kind of what, what some people may know is like their uh, homeroom type hour. And so we'll do boxing and things like that. So just kind of getting out into the community in that way, as far as like being into the schools, which is really helpful because now these kids in the summer you know, they're looking for something to do and their parents are like, let's go to boxing again. <laughs> so that's been very, very, very helpful. Um, and then uh, we have a local magazine called Edmund Outlook Magazine and um, sometimes uh, close to their deadline. So when they're ready to go to print and they still have ad space to fill, I can sometimes call and get a heck of a deal. <laughs> on an ad space because like i said they're trying to fill the spot it's about to go to print they have a deadline i've got a budget (laughs) so uh that has been uh when i do spend money on like advertising to recruit members it's going to be something uh like that where i'm trying to be as frugal as possible (laughs) Uh, yeah uh, there we also have some health fairs here in edmond and so i try to get you know signed up for those or five K's, you know, do like a vendor booth rental. And I, I one thing I've learned for sure is on those uh, vendor booths at events, um, you may not see your return on that, that that week, that month, that may not even be within that, that first six months, but somewhere down the road, some, that is going to really, really matter. So it's a very small seed that's planted, but if it's something that, you know, that's, a, a, you know, affordable for us to do to pay that booth rent, I always do it because it always, always brings me something somewhere down the road, even if it's not instant.
3: Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, what you've done so far is all stuff that's a lot of us are doing. We're getting out into the compute community, we're pounding the pavement, really getting after it, um, and it's great because this is a relationship building business. So, um, you know, it generates that word of mouth and word of mouth is cool because it's free. I like free things. I don't know about you. (laughs) Um, But I do think that in today's, you know, world, um, everybody is spending a ton of time in digital platforms. And where a lot of us are really missing kind of a puzzle piece is we're not reaching people on those platforms um, no matter how small our town is, there's always going to be somebody who doesn't know that we exist that could really benefit from our services. And so that's why I love social media. Now, I've checked out your guys social media, you have an Instagram page, how beneficial has that been for you as you have grown the business over the past six and a half years?
4: I would say that it is uh, so uh, critical that it it almost just goes without saying it almost goes without even mentioning it. Um I have people reach out to me on Instagram through direct you know DMing me about the gym. Uh I do reels, I post to the story, I make pose you know, all the things so that whatever somebody's looking at in that moment in time, hopefully my content flows in front of their face. Um, but most people um well I can't say most people, but lots of people that I run into through the gym. Um, have heard of us through Instagram like through the videos through the pictures so cool. very very helpful
3: yeah have you guys ever tapped or dabbled in the paid advertising side of Instagram or Facebook because yes, I think yes a lot of us are afraid to press the the button where you know we're going to spend some money if we don't know if we're going to get a return on it and so mm-hmm. You said that you've done it. Is that something that you do on a constant basis? Is it bringing in a steady flow of leads, or have you seen success and fall, uh, downfalls to that?
4: I I've definitely seen success and downfalls. Um, I do what I what I do now, based on the successes and downfalls that I've experienced. What I do now is I will boost that post or pay extra to have that you know boost or that post represented. Um, when there is a special event that either we're participating in or have participated in. So, Mm -hmm. you know, for example, if I do something with the uh, police department, with the group of kids, you know, and we take a picture afterwards, um, I will, you know, spend the money to boost something like that because it seems to me that when people see pictures of us just outside of the gym, still trying to help the community, still being out there teaching boxing and look, boxing's for everybody. I think that helps them understand is for everybody when I'm out in the community doing that. And those posts, uh, I get so much more like response, even like website clicks, cause you know, you get your analytics, you know, from all mm-hmm. that, you know, I get more website clicks. I get more just random phone calls. I get, I'll get text
3: messages. You know, I get it all like
4: when I boost mm-hmm. those posts.
3: Yeah, uh, boosting posts is interesting because like, I think it's good for, for things like what you're saying, where it's like, you post a picture of your community, like a community event, and that's really going to just like reach whoever in the community. Mm -hmm. Um, When we look at, you know, paid advertising, something that a lot of people will do is like put some sort of offer or hook out there to get people who might be interested in boxing, but are kind of scared to take the leap. Have you guys ever tried anything like that?
4: Yeah, I'm actually glad that you mentioned that. Um, So whichever kind of post I'm making or boosting or not boosting, one of the things that we've always offered our hook, so to speak, is we always offer a free week to anybody who's interested in trying out the gym. So regardless of what my posts and the content may be about, I'll still end it, even if it's like hashtags or something with like something that talks about the free
3: week that people can come redeem. Cool. With the free week, I've seen a lot of people be really successful with that. And many people find that it's kind of hit or miss. Um, I know personally, like at my gym, we offered three free classes and half of the time that people would come in for all three classes on that third class, we can convert them. And then half the time people would only come in for two and then they would ghost us. So for your, from your experience, how well does the free week work um, for the boxing gym? I would say 85% of the time. 85% of the time it works. So that means, you know, it's working good. Um, cool. My next question for you, kind of take a little bit of a turn here, is if you look at the business right now, what would you say is your biggest bottleneck or challenge? The hardest part, the thing that you're trying to overcome when it comes to business?
4: Just making sure with the way that, like, we'll just say, like, the economy is going, and you know how people are feeling about, uh, you know, their money and things like that. Making sure that we're that your time and what we're offering is still being priced fairly for both people, for both sides. That's been a challenge because you you feel like you need to you want to charge more because, you know, inflation, things were going up. But at the same time, you know, a lot of people aren't necessarily getting pay increases either. So it's trying to find that balance of what's reasonable to ask people to pay right now. That's still, you know, fair for my time and for what I have to offer them.
3: Do you think that the way you have things right now is fair for both parties or like yes. do you need to make some changes?
4: I think right now everything is is in a really good spot. We're not in a position where we have to do any increases in our prices right now, um, but I do see a lot of my members, you know, maybe letting me know like, hey, you know, I I may need to pay my membership a little late, you know, like things like that, um, just because of like the way things are going in the world for them personally, you know what I mean?
3: Does, mm-hmm. that, help? Does that make sense? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I got it. So. Um the what's the retention like right now you have 40 memberships would you say that all of those people like stay and stick around or is it kind of like you know a few people leave here and there it is uh
4: so what's really unique about owning a specific boxing gym is that because it's very uh very niche once once that person finds boxing they're meant to find boxing that's what the you know they they needed that it was time for them to be there they're there forever they're there for life it's going to take a an act of you know an act of god to get them to not come back to the gym because they they loved it and they didn't know they they loved it so i would say for every like every month i look at it as in i gained maybe three new members and maybe and by loss member we'll use that loosely um maybe one
3: to two Okay. So a real growth, a real growth of one to two people then. Yeah. Um per month. Okay. Got it. Um, so you know, retention's good. So realistically, the only challenge is just kind of being able to evolve with the world as things yeah. kind of kind of come in and go. Um, my my next question, it's more loaded one, but if you could kind of have a magic wand and all of your dreams and goals for Roughhouse boxing and fitness have come true what would that picture look like for you
4: well uh our in a perfect world my magic wand we have a uh, we'll say I don't really know the square footage but we'll say a bigger facility <laughs> where we're able to do you know boxing and jiu-jitsu maybe uh have like a cardio room a weight room uh, and a sauna, uh, you know, boxers a lot of times have to cut weight and things like that. And having a sauna available is, uh, would be a really awesome thing for a lot of people. <laughs> um, and, um, you know, just, just really just, I mean, just having the business, like just uh, multiplied is mm-hmm. the most I don't know, like, I guess, can't really take up a whole lot of super specific things to say about
3: that. <laughs> okay, so so you really want to be able to continue to grow this business. And ideally yeah. for you, that looks like moving into a, a facility where you have more space. Um, so if right now the, the perfect space ha- popped up and um, it was just dangling there in front of your face, would it be realistic for you to make the move right now as your business currently stands? Or are there any changes that you need to make to put yourself in a better financial position to make the leap into a bigger building where the rent is going to be more, the overhead's going to be higher? I
4: gotcha. Uh,
3: so, yes.
4: Right now, our classes are, are pretty full. Like we could probably take maybe three to four students. Uh, you know, add a, yeah. uh, extra or whatever before we're, we're maxed out. There's no more pieces of equipment for anybody to use. So when we're at that level where we're, we're at, we couldn't let another person come in the gym for this class, you know, today, We're at that point consistently, and by consistently, I mean, four to six classes per week, which would almost be about 50% of our classes. And I would say for about a season, because it seems like I see a lot of fluctuations whenever the seasons change. So I'd want to see like a consistent season, and then also like just kind of build up like that savings account.
3: Are just you, that, you know,
4: so we yeah. can kind of really get started off on the right foot, so to speak.
3: Are you guys able to save any right now?
4: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, And it's it's hard for me to tell you like how I couldn't say how much or what percentage, but at least yeah. every you know every month I just try to shove something to the side so that you know, it'll add up eventually.
3: <laughs> do you have any ideas? Do you have any ideas of ways that you guys can put more away? Ask that question again. Do you guys have, do you have any ideas of, of ways that you guys can be able to put more, more money away so that when the time comes, you have a, a bigger savings?
4: Yes. Uh, so I have gotten outside my comfort zone <laughs> and uh we're starting to do more apparel like gym t-shirts gym tank tops uh we're about to start looking at um getting some like baseball hats like embroidered you know because you know the cost on those versus the retail on those Mm -hmm. you know you know that would ease you know probably i could render it you know easily an extra probably five hundred dollars a month Yeah, doing that it's just a lot of extra work (laughs) but I have gotten uh, some help with that and we are actually like, we are awaiting our order of gym apparel that we have recently ordered, so.
3: Awesome, yeah. Anything that we can do that are like extra streams of revenue into our business that aren't going to cost us a bunch of time, um, they're they're, they're the perfect thing. Um, Do you guys offer any sort of like nutrition, accountability coaching, things like that for your clients on top of the membership? Um, A little
4: bit with our one-on-one uh clients. Mm-hmm. Uh a lot of times depending on their goals, if their goal is like weight loss or something specific with that, you know, we'll help them, you know, with that.
3: Yeah. Cool. Well, I'm excited that we have a chance to talk to you today. It sounds like you're really in a position to want to grow this gym and optimize what you have. So it's cool to hear your perspective. Um, what's the Instagram page? Where can our listeners go to find you guys online?
4: Uh the Instagram page is Roughhouse Fitness. And then our website, uh, which also has links to all the things, is www.RoughhouseBoxingAndFitness.com.
3: Perfect. I appreciate you being here today. Thanks so much. Listeners, thanks for tuning in. Don't forget, if you guys want to stay notified about future episodes, hit like and subscribe. If you want to join us for an episode here at the Gym Lords Podcast, fill out the link in the description and our team will be in touch with you soon. As always, until next time, Gym Lords out.
0: Now stick around for the rest of this episode.
3: Use coupon code Lords on prestigelabs.com for 20% off all future supplement orders.
5: What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Gym Lords podcast. I'll be your host today. My name is Joe Fitzgerald, and joining us on the show is Mr. Chase McKenzie of Warrior Fitness. Chase, what's going on, sir? How are you Oh, today? No.
6: How are you doing today, buddy?
5: I'm doing tremendously. I'm excited to to pick your brain on this. And and Chase and I got a chance to jive a little bit off air before diving in here. Um, And so I have a little bit of a history here. But Chase, for the people who aren't familiar with Warrior Fitness, why don't you give us a little bit of context? Tell us about these gyms. What are they about?
6: So basically, I started, uh, started the whole gym Seen with warrior fitness up 2016 it's a 24 7 24 7 access gym and i try to cater to pretty much everyone's needs i have you know crossfit and power power lifters and bodybuilder equipment um, cardio i try to i mean try to just get get it to where i can get everybody in in the the same locations and have everything that they need there
5: Yeah. yeah And so take us back a little bit. I want to, I want to hear about the beginnings of this. When you got this rolling, at least with the first location, what was the goal at the outset? What was your idea with starting? So, them?
6: so really, really the goal was just to have a decent gym in Kaiser at the time. Um, so I was, a, I was a police officer in Kaiser um, and I was tired of traveling 45 minutes to go to a gym and I was asking some of my buddies that worked there and if there was any decent gyms in Kaiser. And they all said, man, there's nothing here. There's absolutely nothing here. Say all the gyms that are here are horrible. And uh I had a little bit of experience from my the gym I was actually going to at the time. I used to do all the maintenance on the, all the equipment. So I know the ins and outs of what it took to do the maintenance and maintain it and everything like that. Um I had a pretty good idea of what everybody was looking for in a gym. Because most of the time, you know, you go to a gym and you have one power rack and one bench and one deadlift bar, you know, and and people are sitting around waiting for, you know, 30, 40 minutes trying to get in to get their, get their pump on. So I was like, man, so I think I could do this. I really think that I could make this work. So I just, I did some digging, um, came up with how I could still maintain being a police officer and having the running a gym. So I came yeah. up with, you know, having it set up as a key fob access uh, with motion sensors for the lights, 24-7 security system in there that I can monitor remotely from my cell phone. Um, so it took me about a year to figure everything out. It took me about a year to figure out what I needed for the gym, find a location to figure out, you know, the door controller system, the the, uh, the lights, everything like that. So once I got all that figured out, once I figured out how I was going to operate the, the gym without being there, I started looking for equipment. And I ended up finding a gym up in Franklin, Pennsylvania that was closing down. It was an entire gym, it was a turnkey operation. So it was about five hours away from Kaiser, West Virginia. So planned everything out, rented some uh, penske trucks and me and a couple buddies from kaiser drove up there drove up there on a saturday we loaded everything up drove it back the same day and got up the next morning unloaded it put it inside the building and started started building the gym up from there and i just continued to buy gym equipment and just make it bigger so I started out, I mean, Kaiser's like about a three thousand square foot facility, and I got it packed. I mean, there's probably not a lot of room left in there because of all the all the equipment I just kept putting in there. Because I mean, just I just seen the need for more equipment, and I seen what people were wanting, and I just just added it. Now, I mean, all the profit I made, you know, for years just went right back into the business. Yep, so just to keep it going because I mean, I see it as you know. If you have good equipment, you maintain it, and you keep bringing in new equipment. It just keeps people's interest going. They're like, "Oh man, what's he going to bring in next?" And I have people asking all the time, "Man, what are you bringing in next?" Like, you, you just keep adding equipment. You just add all this equipment and say it's awesome. I'm like, "Yeah, man." So that's what we, you know, that's what you want. It's like I hated going to the same gym that you know the same gyms that had the exact same equipment since the '80s and they never right, changed right, it. It right, was right. you know, it was horrible. And I'm like, man, if they would switch this stuff up, like if something would wear out, just get rid of it and get a newer piece in. Uh, You know, and it just keeps people coming back. And that's that's like one of the biggest issues, I think, with the gyms. Um, People buy them. They buy, you know, they start these gyms up and they just throw the equipment in there and just let it go to waste. They don't maintain them. They don't add anything new. People get sick and tired of using the same equipment and eventually just lose interest in it and find another gym.
5: So any money that you guys were making was immediately put back into the businesses for years. Okay. And and so it sounds like this is, is fairly hands off for you, which changes the dynamic of our conversation because a lot of the people that listen to this are, are full-time gym owners. You kind of have the opposite approach of obviously trying to grow, right? I think it's, it's, I've never met anybody who's against making more money, but how do we do so in a way that's, that's not going to monopolize too much of your time with right. a full-time job? Walk me through how the, the membership numbers look now as compared to pre-pandemic 2019 or early 2020 even. Did you guys take a hit?
6: I did take a hit. Um, I had to shut down for three months. Um, uh, I didn't get any assistance or anything like that. I applied for everything. I didn't get any of that government money or anything like that. Um, I actually had to take, I had access to the loans that they, that they offered. But of course the last thing I needed was another loan to deal with. Um, so I grabbed a hold of that. Um, I mean, I was rocking and rolling prior to the, prior to the pandemic, we were always doing good and I was getting ready you know, I was, I was going to set a, a pretty good record number that year. Then the pandemic hit, um, thank God the members stayed faithful and they continued to like the ones that were on auto pay. They just, they're like, man, just leave it, just leave it. We'll be back. And thank God they did because I wouldn't have been able to make it. I would have had to shut down for sure. Mm. Um, because I mean, you were not, you know, you're talking a couple hundred members and at the time I only had two locations. So between two, maybe 300 members at the time, I think between two locations. So, I mean, it was, it was tight. It yeah. was mm-hmm. tight, you know. Um, I literally just able to to just to pay the bills to get us by, mm-hmm. to get everything back. But I mean, once once COVID was over, you know, we were allowed to open back up. Man, everybody just formed. Everybody came back to the gyms. I mean, because everybody missed the gym. So, with this being
5: <laughs> a a second priority for you, do you do any kind of marketing to to get the word out about it?
6: Well, not really, because I don't, really don't have to. Um, we're such a small area that word of mouth is the best advertisement around here because i mean all you got to do is just if you have a de- really decent place word of mouth is, is really your your best seller um so that's really just created a, a really awesome gym and everybody loves it and everybody knows who i am they know where it's at they know what i offer and every, i mean i get the majority of people to come over and there still are some people you know that live close to the gyms, but they still really rather go to Planet Fitness. You know, they, yeah. they like that scene. It is what it is. Um, I mean, yeah. you know, my gyms aren't for everyone. Sure, of
5: course not. But I hear all the time from, especially from business owners in in relatively smaller markets or rural areas that word of mouth is is the catalyst for what they do. And it makes sense, right? If everybody knows everybody, of course, we'll take any kind of extra referral type lead in that sense um, but i also hear all the time that, that people have businesses that are around for decades and they still have people walk through their doors hey man i didn't even know you were here and so oh yeah. Is, yeah there's value in yes yeah. marketing beyond that have you had had your eye on i don't know are you guys on social media
6: yes yeah, so i'm on facebook and instagram and all that stuff um, when i first opened up i did a lot of that stuff i did a lot of advertising on Facebook. Instagram just to get the word out, um, and that helped a lot. Um, I used to pay okay. for advertisement on Facebook just to just to get it out, just to get it out, get it going. You know, I had a lot of yeah, people yeah, respond yeah. to it. Um, but really, it's just everybody that was close to Kaiser were the only ones that were coming to it. Because I mean, to try to attract people from Cumberland area that you know has a a lot higher population, they weren't going to drive all the way out to Kaiser to you know work out on a regular. Um they would drive out there. I mean, I have people from Frostburg and the surrounding areas that would drive in just to work out for a day, you know, on the weekends or something like that. Um, But it was pretty hard to, it's pretty hard to get a lot of people from like, you know, rural West Virginia to come in and join a gym because you're talking a lot of backwoods boys and farmers and all that kind of stuff you know they're not some of them care about you know working out most of them just don't care so yeah yeah uh, it's definitely kind of a challenge with that kind of stuff with that um but i can it's definitely definitely grown over the years and well i've uh, seen it like
5: i can imagine with there there's a number of sort of hurdles to overcome here one is your time Right. We don't have necessarily a, a non- never-ending list of free time to, to yeah. with, with which to tackle this. But two, it sounds like you're you're making money, but with a relatively small population, we're probably not making a huge profit. And so having oh, any kind of advertising budget becomes a challenge as well. Like we can't just blindly throw money at Facebook or
6: Instagram and, and right. hope
5: that it sticks. Do you know what I mean?
6: Right. Yeah. Yeah. So that's why, um, so literally like I, I just, once, once I opened up in my gym that I have in Crested Town, that's when I first started to do radio advertisement
3: Mm.
6: because of where I was at Crested Town's got more Allegheny County, Maryland. So we got, you know, 70,000 people that live in Allegheny County and there's a whole bunch of different shopping plazas that you can go to. You have Planet Fitness, you have the Y there's a lot more competition in Allegheny County. Um, so, I felt that it was probably the best to do some radio advertisement to get the word out, you know, start throwing it out there. Um, just, I've been doing that now for a couple of months. So, we'll see. I think it's bringing, I think it's helping. But uh, the other issue you have is you're doing radio advertisements. Not everyone's listening to the radio, everybody's driving around, they're listening to their serious, their eye hard. Um, right you know driving down the road listening to podcasts and stuff like that you know they're not they're not really listening to the radio all the time um so that's another another you know it's a challenge i
5: mean for any small business like this like we the best case scenario is that we have multiple ways to get in front of people right it's radio it's social media maybe it's print of course word of mouth it there's different Guerrilla tactics, getting out into the community, supporting X, Y, Z causes, that's ideal, right? Because then we can tap into the most possible people. Like you said, not everybody listens to the radio. We're spending that's money right. on the radio, but could that money be better spent elsewhere? It's tough to determine. Right. Yep. Walk me to the next step here, Chase. Obviously, we're, we're getting leads in. When you get a lead interested in joining one of the facilities, what's a typical sales process look like? How are you actually signing people up?
6: So I, I get messages through Facebook Messenger, um, through the business Messenger. Um, I have my cell phone number out there that people will call or text me on. And basically calls me or sends me a message and says, hey, I'm interested in signing up. I'll say, hey, that's awesome. i which location are you looking at, they tell me, Oh, I I want to go to calm. I'm in Kaiser. Okay. That's all you gotta do. I need you to get into the gym. When you're ready, give me a call. Um, I will, uh, I will get you set up with a membership. I said, just call me when you get there. I'll walk through the process. And so it only takes like five minutes. So they'll go down to the gym will call me. I'll unlock the door. I can, I have full control from the gym for my cell phone. I can log into the door system, let them in, they go in, grab a key fob, give me their name, their information, their credit card information, put them in the system and they're on their way and it's literally that that simple now the crappy thing is is i'm not there in person i don't get to meet them um i like being you know like seeing my members in person and i try to get in like on my days off i get in the gym and i I try to get around and be there as much as possible you know say hey you know i'm the owner i was the guy that signed you up there the other day it's nice to meet you you know have a little conversation with them and I always tell everybody, it's like, hey, if you need anything, man, you got my cell phone number. Just, just call me. Said, I'm always, I'm always around. So you need something, just shoot me a message. Something happens, I said, just shoot me a message. and so we'll we'll get it figured out. So, and plus me being, plus me being a cop, I don't really have a lot of issues. I and, can and, imagine. I just, <laughs> <constantly>, uh, <laughs> and I got a lot of cop friends. So I mean, you know, they're in and out, and I I got a lot of uh, military, got a, a lot of retired military, a lot of correctional officers that come in. I mean, it's just, they're, it's good. They're good people. I don't, I try. you know, I really don't have a lot of drama and that's one of my things. That's one of my rules, man. It's like, a, like, I think it's number five on my list. It's like no drama. It's like this You're You're here to work out. You come in, do your thing, have a good time, get your pump on, roll out.
5: Yeah. yeah. It sounds like it, to me, at least my two cents is that with you having the full-time job, we don't necessarily have the, the resources to, dedicate to really growing it but it sounds like if you tried you probably could really grow these things a little bit more is that have you considered like bringing on anybody like a gm or somebody to help you really push this or no
6: i've thought about it um i just don't know
5: like it just seems like there's so much untapped potential you know
6: yeah yeah there there is but the thing is is with me now that I'm in Allegheny County, I'm pretty much done in this in this county. I can't go any further in Maryland unless I would go to like surrounding counties. Um, West Virginia. I have two counties locked down. I have West Virginia. I have uh, Hampshire County and I have Mineral County locked down. I could always go other to other surrounding counties, but it's putting me further out. It's putting me like an hour away then. So it's almost going to be one of those things where the gyms are going to be so far stretched out it's going to be too hard to manage everything you know for even for two people even so and even if i had like someone out in i don't know hampshire county that was operating my west virginia side of everything and and then i had some over here um, it it could be done it's going to cost it's just and and the thing is with the gym business you know it's, it's up and down people come in they'll sign up for a month and they don't come back the next month you know people you know they get that that hair but their butt they want to freaking get in shape and they want to go to the gym and they come to the gym they do a couple days and they roll out once they're you know they come in they get sore they feel how freaking sore it is once you start working out and they don't like the pain and they roll out they don't come back right. yeah. you know um every gym owner listen to this knows exactly what you're talking about yeah they, yep. everybody knows that man and it's like and it doesn't matter like they'll come up any excuse that a person has to not show up to the gym they're not going to come to the gym man it's a tough so, tough uh,
1: industry it, it's it is crazy. a very
6: tough industry it's so it's so up and down and everyone's always like well, how many members do you have they had, you know people are like well, how many members do you have now and i'm like honest to god i have no idea like i had I, I signed up five people last week but i had 15 people quit so i was like i have to go back through and, and figure out the numbers and said just you, you can't set your watch to it it's so it's just like a roller coaster it's up and down and it'll i know that like it'll start picking up here once the snow starts flying and then once may comes rolling around it, it drops back off again because you got summer people just go to the river people are out doing outside activities and they give up on the gym scene yep. so i mean you know we all know everybody that's dedicated to the gym we all know it's a way of life so 100%. Not,
5: now with you sort of up in the air at least on, on at least hiring staff or, or getting somebody in there to help you what do you see as the future of these businesses, Chase? What's sort of your vision for this longer term?
6: I think I'd just like to keep it where it's at. I really don't want to grow anymore. Um, I don't want to, I've thought so many times about just getting out of it, selling it, closing it up, burning the buildings down, and freaking peeing on the ashes and be done with them. Because let me tell you, it gets, it gets stressful. I mean, having to deal with the, the day-to-day operations of everything and uh, you just get fed up with it, you know, it, like it, it'll, it'll totally consume your life. Um, yep. But I mean, if I, I can't take it away because if I take it away, then I'm taking, I'm taking the gym away from communities, you know, and I'm, That's I've had had, for sure. you know, and I've had, I've had um, just recently, I had a couple of high school football coaches reached out to me and they're like, man, we're so thankful that you have these gyms. It's like, well, we have seen improvement in our players because they go to your gym hmm. and I'm like, well that you know that makes me feel good i said all oh, the bs that i gotta put up with i said at least somebody's benefiting from everything i said maybe you know me keeping these gyms here and and be opening up these gyms has changed someone's life somewhere down the road yeah so that's why i that's why i just, uh, just i'm happy with the way that everything's rolling right now i really don't want to i thought about growing them i thought about franchising them out and doing all that other kind of stuff but i'm just I'll just leave it the way it is because I, I don't want to. That's the fun give part up.
5: about owning your own business yeah. is that there's so many routes you can go. And, and at the end of the day, you get to make that call. You know yeah. I mean? so. Yes.
6: Yeah, so, I mean, and ultimately I'm not going to give up being a cop. Um, I, I'm in too deep. I want to retire and I have 13 years left. I can retire and be done with it. And then the, 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 uh, the end game is just to retire and run the gyms full time. And that's just going to be the retirement gig. There you go. So.
5: Plenty of of fun ways to to be in the industry. Your specific brand here is, it sounds like we're relatively happy with how it is right now. Is there room to grow? It sounds like it, but we have to be okay with what comes with that as well. So Chase, I appreciate your contribution here. It seems like a pretty good place for us to begin to wrap our conversation up. Before we sign out of here, where can people find out a little bit more about this? Where can they find you on social media?
6: So they can find me on Facebook at uh, Warrior Fitness three zero four, and it's the same on Instagram as well. Um, I have pretty much I have a lot of the pictures of the gyms uploaded on there and stuff like that. I think I even have some before and after pics. I know I do. I, I normally normally whatever I did went into a, a new location. I'd always take before and after pics. So, I mean, you can see what I started out with and what I ended up with. Our uh, biggest transformation was me. It took me nine months to remodel that place before I could op- open it up. Um, but yeah, Warrior Fitness 304 on Facebook. Same on Instagram. Uh, if anybody's in the area, we normally – uh, shoot, if anybody's in the area you want to try it out, man, just give me a hold or my cell phone number's attached and get a hold of me anytime.
5: Easy enough. Chase, I appreciate your time, man. I can't thank you enough. I wish you nothing but the best moving forward, too. All uh,
6: right, Joe. Thank you, sir.
5: Absolutely. And to everyone who tuned in today, thank you as well. Don't forget if you would like to be notified about future episodes, hit like and subscribe. If you're interested in joining us to talk about your business model within the industry, click the link in the description, fill it out. Our team will be in touch with you soon. And as always, until next time, Jim Lords out.